Welcome back to Map the Maze. So last week we were talking about some of the stages of divorce and separation that people experience. And today I wanted to share with you how I see the different stages for the clients that I'm working with. I think there are five, so I'm down from the seven from last week from Kessler's model, but I think there are five basic stages that almost everybody I work with falls into one of these stages that there's a preparatory stage. And this is generally, from my perspective at least, where there's dissatisfaction, there's a lack of communication, there's a lack of ability to problem solve, that the seeds, I think, for the distrust and the pain and anger that I see in mediation, that's where these are sown. And they may be surfaced or they may be below sort of the conscious level of people in the relationship, but it's where the beginnings of the idea of separation, I think, start to form. And so in that phase, which can go on, I think, for a long time for a lot of people, one or both parties start to envisage a world where they're not in a relationship. So from my perspective, it's very rare that I would meet anybody during this stage. It can happen, I guess, in the sense that very rarely as a family mediator, I get to work with people who want to engage in what we call marriage mediation, i.e. they've decided that the relationship isn't sustaining them, isn't supporting both parties. People know that there's a problem. They don't yet haven't yet made the decision to separate but they're trying to find a solution and one of those solutions which i think most people at least try some some couples several times is counseling some form of couples counseling relationship work and in addition to that as a supplement to that some people also decide to come to mediation so you might ask yourself why would you do that the reason is that whilst counselling is going to look at the relationship, we'll look at the different elements that are working or not working and how to fix that. One of the challenges can often be just the practical side. So where are we going to live during this phase while we try and figure out if we can rebuild the relationship? How will we manage money? If we're going to live separately, which often people do, they decide to give each other some actual physical space. If we're going to live separately, how does that arrangement work? How will people see the children? All of those factors can be discussed in marriage mediation. And again, I think really important that it's about setting expectations for what that will look like, that you don't want to get in a situation where there are conflicting expectations or assumptions about what will happen during marriage, during this period of um, trying to rebuild a relationship. One thing I think that is really challenging that people do also talk about is what does this mean in relation to any third parties that might also be involved? So can you, can you see other people during this period 
of what in marriage mediation we would call a controlled separation. Can you not? If you do, what does that mean for the other person? I think all of those factors need to be discussed. And very often what we're also talking about is how are you going to work with your counselor or therapist? What commitment do you both require? Um, I think also because it's the contingencies of the backbone of a lot of mediation agreements, if it doesn't work out, what is that going to look like? The next stage is one where I do often meet people, which I would call the crisis stage. And it may not present as a, a crisis event, but something has happened, whether it's an event, information often precipitates the crisis, at which point people decide, whether it's one or both, again, this is going to lead to separation and divorce that the relationship is now beyond repair or that they don't want to commit to do the work to repair it. And actually the decision by one or both is to separate. And very often this is where I see people. You know, I can think of people that I've worked with where it's been maybe years since this happened, so years after the decision was made and they've been able to find a working model to allow them both to have some time. That can be several years, as I said, or it can be people have literally just found the information. They've seen the text messages, they've seen the photos, they've maybe confronted the other person and now this crisis has happened and a decision has been made. It's really hard, I think, to work with people when they're so close to the information. So I think the shortest time frame I've seen between somebody discovering that their partner was having an affair and coming into work with me was two weeks. And one of my roles as a mediator is to help people to ensure that they can negotiate in their own best interests. And I had to do some reality testing with this client and say, look, I don't know if you are in a position where you can have these conversations because to have those conversations, you need to have done a little bit of thinking about what could the future look like. And this person was very focused, understandably, on what had just happened, that in fact, there hadn't been sufficient processing time to envisage a future, that they were very much focused on what was happening in the present. And so trying to create some space for that person. One of the ways that we can do that in mediation is to at least put in place a holding agreement, an interim agreement that there may be children, there might be financial constraints. Can we just put everything on hold, agree what that looks like to give everyone some time to be ready? to have the discussion about what do the final arrangements look like. It's a challenge because often the person that has discovered the information or been told we're going to separate or divorce isn't really ready to have the long-term conversation. And the other person who's maybe decided that it's time to separate or who has known about the information, so for example, knew they were having an affair, they're generally ready to have long-term conversations because 
the possibility, at least, that the relationship is going to end has been in their mind for a while. They've had time to process some of that. So it can be a really difficult time to work with people because there can be a lot of conflicting demands from each person and a lot of tension, I think, between conflicting demands. So the crisis stage is a time where I do see people, but it's generally a time of trying to either slow things down so that people can process, can be ready to have conversations, or find a way to put in place some interim arrangements just to stabilize whatever is happening. The third stage is what I call the disorganization stage. So after the crisis, people are often not sure about what are the rules? How are we going to manage things going forward? How will life look? What, what's important? What decisions do I need to make? And I think also, interestingly, these were the assumptions I had about how life was going to look. But now that things are so radically different, I'm not in a, going to be in a relationship anymore. What other doors, other options, other paths might there be? That's that often people, this becomes a bit of a springboard, I think, for people to reevaluate and to think, what's really important to me? What does the future actually look like if I design it as opposed to work on the plan we had as a couple? So that disorganization stage, I think, can feel very dislocating for people and very confusing that all of the assumptions that you were able to make about what life looked like, how arrangements were made, those go away. Often people are now in separate homes. And so things that are just easy, like, you know, who's around on Wednesday night to look after the children, suddenly that's not easy anymore. There needs to be a discussion about how will that be managed, how finances will be managed. So that phase I think is often where I do meet people that they come in when the crisis has happened, they've processed it, they're experiencing the disorganization stage and there is now a desire often to, to end the uncertainty. The next stage is the stage that I think is really what the mediation where the mediation puts people, which is the reorganization phase. So now people are trying to figure out what does the world look like? Now, what are the plans that I have? How will we manage finances going forward? How will we manage the children's arrangements going forward? So this is a, a time of real work. And hopefully for a lot of people, a time of taking back some sense of control over their own lives, about some sense of um, empowerment, about decision-making. Sometimes when I speak to people and they're not in a great financial situation, it's not even the amount of money that is the concern. It's the uncertainty that it's not knowing how things will be resolved or what the future will look like or what situation you're going to be in makes it harder for people. And that often what clients say to me is, if only I could just if we could just be through this reorganization stage and I could know what I'm dealing with, if I could at least know I've got X, well, then I can make a plan. I can figure out how to make X work. It's just, I don't know 
what X is. I don't know what the financial arrangements are going to look like. I don't know what the children's arrangements will look like. Therefore, I don't feel that I can make a plan. So this reorganization stage, I think is really critical and it can happen in mediation. It can also happen if people are not able to negotiate through a court process in the sense that the judge will tell you what the reorganization will look like for the family, but it's a really important stage. And then comes more hard work, which is implementation. So whatever the reorganization is, there's an implementation stage, i.e. now we have an agreement or we have a judgment and we've got to now make that work. So I think that's a really critical stage. It's one where mediators often aren't present. Although I guess what I would say is one thing I do see is often people, particularly if they have young children uh, or children who are kind of about to go through lots of changes developmentally, who build in a review. So there is a, an opportunity in the implementation stage to loop back to reorganization, hopefully not disorganization, but or crisis, but loop back to reorganization, to revisit, to rework whatever the arrangements are before moving back through to implementation. So some, I guess sometimes I do get to work with people at the implementation stage, and sometimes also it's because life has changed. So for example, I worked with a family who I met during what I think was really their disorganization phase. We were able to work through their reorganization. And then a year later they came back because now one of the parties was relocating. And so that required a whole new reorganization for what was going to happen for the family and the finances. And so I think that was, that's kind of, a, I guess, a typical example of how even after that initial mediation is over, I might then work again with people later down the road when their situations have evolved to um, try and put in place again, arrangements which work for both parties and for their children. So it's a little bit simpler than the Kessler seven stage model, um, but I think it relates maybe more clearly, I guess understandably, to my experience of mediating clients. And again, I think it's really helpful to understand that when people come and see me, I don't say to them, oh, you're in the crisis stage. It's too soon for you to be making these decisions. But you can hear when you talk to people who have maybe only just found out that their marriage is over or that somebody has been having an affair, that they're not able to focus on the longer term because so much of their emotional and psychological and mental energy is consumed with trying to process what's just happened, what the information is. It's also really important for me to be able to help the other party who's maybe further along and more adjusted to what's happened to understand that, that if somebody's just found out that the part, their partner was having an affair and they've just found out they're going to get divorced, the other person has known about the affair. So this isn't coming as a shock to them. And they may have decided some time ago that their marriage, their relationship was going to end. So again, that's not coming as a shock to them. So for them, it's helping that party understand the other person is processing what's going on because even if people are not happy in their relationship, lots of people are not happy in their relationships. It doesn't mean they all get divorced. 
So helpful to try and speak to that person to say, look, there needs to be some processing time allowed for the other person to get to the same place as you are. They may never get to exactly where you are at the same time because you're kind of six months, a year, two years ahead of them. But to enable them to get through that crisis phase to the period where they are ready to start thinking about what would it look like if we reorganized life? What would the plan look like going forward? And I think really helpful in mediation when people are at two different stages to help them understand the stage that they're in and what impact that might have on them in the mediation. So if I'm trying to work with somebody, for example, who's in the disorganization phase and the other person's maybe in the crisis stage, there's going to be a mismatch. The person in the crisis stage is going to think everything is happening is overwhelming and is happening too fast. And the person in the disorganization phase is going to be like, I want to get through this. I want to get reorganized. Let's move on. Why can't we just get this done? It's so simple. And I think that's one of the challenges in mediation. But that's why I think understanding some of these stages is really helpful because it gives each party uh, a sense of where the other person is and how that may impact what's going to happen in the mediation. So those are my thoughts on stages in mediation. And next week, I'm not gonna give too much away, but next week, beginning a new series. So thank you for listening, take care, and see you next week. Welcome to Map the Maze. I wanted to share the ideas and thoughts in the podcast that you're about to listen to with a wider audience. But please know that nothing in this podcast is intended to be legal, financial, or mental health advice. It is really important that you seek independent, professional advice to help you with your situation and your circumstances. Knowledge is power. So let's get to it.